Chapters fifteen and sixteen of the Turnpike House by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fifteen The Punishment of Curiosity. For the first time in her careless, happy life, Ruth knew the torments of an anxious mind. A chill struck through her very being at the suggestion that her dearly loved father might be implicated in the sordid tragedy yet she did not lose her presence of mind but wheedled the so-called brooch out of mildred on the strict understanding that it should be restored next morning her thoughts were painful in the extreme for an examination of the piece of gold proved beyond doubt that it belonged to the same set of links as did the one she found under the window now ruth recollected that in some bond street shop she had seen a similar set of links the four ovals of which were enamelled respectively with a horse a champagne bottle a pack of cards and a ballet girl they were playfully denominated the four vices of course it is utterly impossible that he can have anything to do with it she thought as she paced her bedroom there could have been no motive yet again how did he of all men come into possession of that link she remembered now the horror she had felt at the idea of marrying neil when she had come to know that his mother was at least to all outward appearances a murderess she judged that if her father should be guilty then geoffrey would feel the same towards her again and again she tried to find some explanation and again and again she failed only by her father himself could her doubts be set at rest and he was absent true he would return in three days but how to live during that time with this hideous doubt in her mind she could imagine now how people felt when they were going mad sending down an excuse for not appearing at dinner she went to bed to face the world even her own small world was more than she could bear her only relief was in solitude of course as might have been expected amy came up to fuss over her and offer advice and blame her for having made herself ill in some way which mrs chisel herself would have avoided then in came jenny creeping like a mouse with soothing speech and cool hands for the burning brow of the sick girl i am not well dear she said in reply to miss brawn's inquiries all i want is a good night's rest in the morning i shall be myself again and with this answer jenny had to be content left to herself ruth began her self-communings it crossed her mind that her father who had always been a great admirer of beauty might have been attracted to mrs jenner's good looks but even as she thought of it she dismissed the idea with a blush of shame who was she to think ill of her father but she would certainly question mrs chisel about her former governess and would learn what had been mr cass's attitude towards her ruth anxious to propitiate her offered on the following morning to help with the work but was told she could not do it as mrs chisel wished in spite of this disagreeable speech she waited patiently for an opportunity of introducing the subject of amy's childhood and amy's governess and kept her temper as best she might under a deluge of platitudes and self-glorification on the part of her sister at length after having made attacks upon several of her acquaintances the good lady indirectly introduced the subject upon which ruth wished to speak by giving her opinion as to the incapacity of jenny brawn as governess i do not say she does not do her best she said magnanimously but oh dear me jane brawn so she invariably referred to jenny has no more idea of teaching than a hottentot i know how the thing should be done as i have told her a dozen times but she will not take advice what about your own governess put in ruth artfully was she any good amy she was excellent as a governess 
returned mrs chisel with a sniff of disparagement but as a woman she left much to be desired but my dear amy how do you know that you were only a child children are much sharper than their elders give them credit for i was ten years of age when miss lawrence left and quite old enough to see through her designs miss lawrence was that her name amy yes she afterwards married a man called jenner a clerk in papa's office and we saw no more of her as i had gone to school a very good thing too went on mrs chisel with an air of offended virtue my mother never liked her and she did turn out badly after all murdering her husband i can only say it was a mercy it was not papa why should it have been papa asked ruth with a beating heart mrs chisel tossed her head and observed that men were always men papa is as good as the best of them she added but all the same he is a son of adam like the rest and when an artful minx ah well it does not do to talk of these things i see said ruth taking the bull by the horns miss lawrence was pretty papa was weak and mamma ruth screamed her sister stopping her ears i will not hear these things how can you speak so of papa pretty indeed i never thought her pretty if you like oh yes she would have made a fool of papa if mamma had not dismissed her i thought she left here to get married you may think what you like mrs chisel said with dignity no one can say that i talk about the weaknesses of my parents all the same mrs jenner as she now is was a minx and made eyes at papa i saw something of that and heard more though i was a child i was not a fool ruth oh it was as well that she left hollyoaks i can tell you what an escape for poor dear papa and more than this mrs chisel would not say but ruth had gathered that miss lawrence had been an apple of discord in the house from all that she had heard in the strange way in which sharp children do hear things ruth had come to think that her mother had been more than a trifle jealous doubtless if amy's story could be believed she had hated mrs jenner for her beauty and had got her out of the house she anxiously awaited the return of mr cass from bordeaux in due time he arrived looking all the better for his journey and was welcomed by mrs chisel with enthusiasm he was more pleased to see his grandchildren than their mother for like every one else he found her a trifle wearisome as for ruth when she saw once more her father's grave face and kindly eyes she was ashamed of all that had been in her mind and she displayed so much affection that mr cass was surprised for as a rule his younger daughter was not demonstrative you don't look well ruth he said and indeed her face was worn and thin what is the matter nothing papa what should be the matter you are worrying about young webster he asked rather sharply no indeed she protested i have quite got over my feeling for him it was a mere girlish fancy of course it was put in mrs chisel with superior wisdom and she is taking my advice papa about mr heron is this true ruth well it may be she said hesitatingly i like him much better than i did have you heard anything of mr webster papa for she was anxious to hear if her father knew that neil was at bognor no nothing i believe he is abroad and i sincerely hope that he will stay there marry heron my dear ruth and forget all about him 
ruth found it impossible to say more then but determined to wait until her sister had retired for the night before seeking speech with her father mr cass was pleasantly surprised when ruth came into the library about ten o'clock as a rule he saw her only for an hour in the drawing-room after dinner he had quite expected that the two sisters would be chatting in their own rooms by this time well my dear he said gaily have you come to give your old father some of your company i suppose this is to make up for my absence yes she said as gaily as she could you have been away so long and i do see very little of you papa i want to see as much of you as possible until you leave me for heron he said patting her hand seriously my dear i hope you will marry him he is a good fellow and will make the best of husbands for my ruth he wants me to be his wife ruth said gloomily enough i have not decided yet i may or may not marry him but you can set your mind at rest about neil webster papa i would not marry him if there was not another man in the world something in her voice struck mr cass unpleasantly and he looked sharply at her why not he demanded she returned his look boldly because i know now why you did not wish me to be his wife she said he lifted his eyebrows woman's curiosity again he said harshly what do you know i know that his real name is jenner and that his mother stop cried her father his face growing haggard before her eyes who told you this nonsense it is not nonsense she cried in despair oh why will you not trust me i know that it is true mrs gent told me oh then that was why you went to brighton yes i was quite determined to find out why you forbade the marriage i see he said ironically well are you any the happier for this discovery she hid her face with a cry heaven knows i am the most unhappy girl in the world she moaned ah said her father a word of meaning in his voice so you do love the man after all no but never mind tell me papa is it true yes you know so much now that you may as well know more mrs jenner murdered her husband and has suffered imprisonment all these years she did not murder him cried ruth mr cass who was swinging the poker in his hands dropped it with a crash ah and how do you know that she did not he asked in a stifled voice because geoffrey says heron he rose to his feet what has he to do with all this he is a friend of neil's and a friend of neil's mr cass said incredulously how can that be they never even got on well together they were rivals i do not believe it will you believe me when i tell you that geoffrey is nursing neil at bognor in mrs gent's house he is then and geoffrey wrote telling you that he was abroad and neil too to keep you away from bognor mr cass stood as though he had turned to stone and the haggard look on his face seemed to grow more marked there appears to be a lot of plotting going on behind my back he said quietly my own daughter is plotting against me why did you not tell me all this no never mind you have told me so many lies that i cannot believe you do not answer that question but i must ask you to tell me what this means i have told no lies cried ruth indignantly 
if you had been more open with me papa i would never have set to work to find out this affair i will tell you all just as it happened and you can judge for yourself if i have been wrong nothing can excuse your silence he said bitterly you don't know what harm may come of this meddling with what does not concern you well i will hear your story he sat down again and looked at the fire while ruth related all that had happened and how geoffrey and she had made up their minds to discover the truth mr cass listened without a word only when she had finished did he make an observation you have done wrong he said sternly you should have told me all this at once i am the best friend that neil webster has and it was my place to look after him not heron's but is mrs jenner innocent ruth asked anxiously i cannot answer that question he said evasively but he clenched his fist at all events i will see heron and neil and hear what grounds they have for believing that she did not kill the unhappy man i can only hope ruth that you will refrain from meddling in the matter any more oh i have done with it papa i'm sorry if you think i have behaved badly but i thought i was acting for the best you can depend on my doing nothing more the matter is in geoffrey's hands now and it will soon be in mine her father said coldly if mrs jenner is to be released i am the person to see to it ruth noticed that he did not say if mrs jenner is guiltless and her heart was like lead she made up her mind to try the effect of the link and rising as if to go drew it from her pocket i will go to bed now she said quietly by the way here is something of yours and she placed the piece of gold before him yes it is mine he said glancing at it i gave it to mildred for her doll how did it come into your possession she burst into tears the strain was getting too much for her oh papa say it is not yours she wept stretching out her hands ruth you are hysterical mr cass said with some severity and the girl noticed even then that he was a trifle nervous why should i deny that it is mine i had a set of these links made many years ago when i was foolish enough to wear such things one pair i lost the other remained in my desk amongst a lot of rubbish until one day i gave one piece of it to mildred i had intended to have the other pair replaced but time went on and somehow i never had it done why should you cry about these things and why do you show me this link because i found one oval like this under the window of the turnpike house mr cass rose from his chair and looked at her with a frown go on he said i have nothing more to say she cried with a fresh burst of tears i know now that the links did belong to you how did you lose the one at the turnpike house the blow was struck through the window you would say her father finished with a cold smile and that i struck it no no she cried i am sure you did not oh i am sure you did not father but ever since i have found these links i have been in terror for you what if the one i gave geoffrey should be traced oh i wished i had kept it myself it is too late to wish anything now he said bitterly but very quietly i must say you are a dutiful daughter i suppose you really mean to accuse me of having murdered jenner i do not i do not i am sure you never did you can explain i explain nothing he interrupted sternly 
the links are mine whether i dropped a portion of one at the turnpike house or not does not matter to you i will see heron and explain to him all i ask of you is to hold your tongue i will i will sobbed the girl but oh father don't be hard on me i'm very sorry that i meddled at all mr cass looked at her in silence and his stern face softened i know you do not credit me with this crime he said and i am glad you have so much grace but even to you i cannot explain you must trust me i do whom should i trust but my own dear father i wish you had thought of that before and had not acted in this underhand way however it is of no use talking now the thing is done and i must put it to rights as best i can i will see heron and webster put all these things out of your mind child how can i until i know the truth she said passionately i am sure you are innocent but i am certain too that it was not mrs jenner who committed the murder for neil's sake for my own sake i want the horrible thing explained whether it will be explained or not does not rest with you or with me my dear girl i cannot say to you what i should wish to say all i can advise you is to hold your tongue if you do not heaven knows what will happen i will say nothing she said faintly and staggered towards the door her father had not insisted upon his innocence as she had expected him to do he had taken refuge in vague phrases which meant nothing yet she could not believe she thrust the thought away from her i will go i will say no more she repeated ruth he cried as she opened the door one thing i must tell you you have either done great good or great harm but in either case you have brought sorrow to this house chapter sixteen jenny brawn makes a discovery the next day mr cass informed ruth that geoffrey heron was coming to spend a few days at hollyoaks he made no attempt to conceal his reason for asking the young man it is necessary he said that i should talk over this deplorable matter with him anything further that has to be done in connection with the possible release of mrs jenner must be done through me i am her oldest friend i am her son's best friend and i have a right to bring the matter to a creditable issue do you not agree with me he looked at her keenly yes papa i do she replied feeling more at ease in her mind now that she saw he did not shirk the investigation i only wish i had told you before but you must do me the justice to own that i never expected to find you in any way connected with it the wonder is that you did not find me mixed up in it earlier he said i have had so much to do with mrs jenner and her son that i could hardly help being concerned in their trouble but you need not worry about me child i am quite able to protect myself and to explain when the time comes how that broken link came to be lost if you will only do that ruth is it possible that you believe your father guilty of this crime oh no i do not but he turned away well say no more about it he said in a softer tone than was usual with him for he saw that the girl was terribly troubled there is on the face of it some ground for you to doubt me i do not for a moment deny that such is the case but i hope to right myself in your eyes still you must give me time to consider the matter you are not angry with me then she asked anxiously 
i am displeased that you should have undertaken this investigation without telling me your intention but i can forgive you for i know how impulsive you are let us say no more about it my task is to get at the truth of this matter and with geoffrey's assistance i hope to do so all i ask is that you should be silent and leave things in my hands and never conceal anything from me again i will do all you say replied his daughter and kissed him in due time geoffrey arrived he was in high spirits and brought the best of news from bognor neil was mending rapidly and would soon be on his feet again since he had found a friend and brother in geoffrey he had become much less morbid and was beginning to take quite a cheerful view of life if his mother could only be proved innocent and set at liberty he would have little left to wish for as for ruth his love for her had by some strange mental process been obliterated during his illness and he rose from his sick-bed with nothing more than a strong feeling of friendship for the girl who had so recently been all the world to him and indeed when miss cass came to hear of this she was not over well pleased but it was not long before she blamed herself for her vanity and reminded herself that this was quite the best thing that could have happened to her former lover after dinner mr cass carried geoffrey off to the library he particularly wanted to have a few words alone with him he said heron had not the least idea what the subject of their talk was to be mr cass having merely invited him to spend a few days at hollyoaks saying he had an important subject to discuss with him and it had passed through geoffrey's mind that ruth must have confided in her father their tacit engagement he was a good deal astonished therefore when mr cass abruptly informed him that the matter referred to was that of the jenner murder why mr cass exclaimed the young man how do you know about that and what do you know ruth told me that you were interesting yourself in it was the reply and i know all that she could tell me i was not very pleased to find that she had been getting mixed up in the affair it was her own wish heron said i did not like it myself and i should have been the last person in the world to tell her anything about it but after all it was but the curiosity of a young girl no one can blame her no one can blame any woman for being curious mr cass said dryly all the same feminine curiosity can do a lot of mischief when it is not properly directed as in this instance will you please to tell me heron exactly how ruth found it out not knowing that mr cass wished to compare his story with ruth's geoffrey willingly consented and informed him of ruth's visit to mrs gent and how the outcome of it all so far as he was concerned had been the discovery of the fact that ruth was willing to marry him and that is after all what i care most about he said with a happy look in his eyes i am very glad of it mr cass said soberly i always wanted her to marry you i think you will be able to control her i was afraid at one time that she would have run away with webster i don't think that he would have run away with her replied geoffrey he decided to give her up when he learned the secret of his parentage now he has got over his love and is quite willing that she should marry me poor neil he has had a bad time that could not have been prevented i did my best to spare him the knowledge of his mother's fate she asked me to make her the promise and i did so do you think she is guilty i really can't say replied mr cass with some hesitation when she was arrested i implored her to defend herself if she could but she obstinately refused to open her mouth she certainly never told me that neil had killed his father 
do you believe he did no certainly not i believe the child got up from his bed in a dazed condition on suddenly waking out of the trance he came into the room and found his father lying dead with a knife on the floor beside him naturally enough the child picked up the knife then no doubt his reason became unsettled added to which the cold to which he was exposed that night when his mother fled was altogether too much for him and he fell seriously ill he remembers nothing of all that heron said i asked him myself he remembers his childhood up to the time his mother put him to bed that night or rather i should say up to the time when he struck at his father with the knife his memory recommences from the time of his recovery from the illness which followed but the interval is a blank of course he might have seen the assassin but i am sure continued heron firmly that his mother is not the guilty person she denies having committed this murder and says she was silent on neil's account does she suspect any one asked mr cass and heron noticed that he did not give an opinion as to her guilt or innocence no she cannot think who did it i asked her about the links or rather about the part of one which ruth found under the window i suppose she told you of her discovery yes she did by the way have you the link with you heron took it out of his pocket-book and laid it on the table it is a curious one he said the pattern is an odd one and not in very good taste oh i don't know mr cass said with studied carelessness i have seen the same kind of thing they were in vogue some years ago each oval has a different design on it a ballet girl a bottle a horse and a pack of cards they were known as the four vices what does mrs jenner say about this she cannot think who could have worn them she says she never saw such a set before had geoffrey heron been an observant man he would have seen a distinct expression of relief pass over the face of his host but he remarked nothing and mr cass went on it is possible the person who killed jenner may have dropped it he said but i am afraid it is but a slight clue after all these years besides if mrs jenner cannot guess the motive for the crime i don't see how we can she thinks the motive was fear of blackmail on the part of the assassin said geoffrey ah said the merchant significantly i am not astonished jenner was a clerk in my office and as thorough a blackguard as ever walked he was exactly the man who would have blackmailed another if he could have done so with safety but what reason has mrs jenner for thinking this because her husband had boasted to her that in a red pocket-book which he flourished in her face he had the materials for getting money now that pocket-book was not produced at the trial i see said mr cass his chin on his hand you think the murderer stabbed jenner as he stood by the window stole the pocket-book and had his link wrenched off in the struggle that is the only way in which i can account for the crime it seems feasible enough replied the merchant musingly but i do not see how i can help you to trace the man after jenner left my office i saw very little of him if mrs jenner cannot tell whom it was he intended to blackmail no one else can she does not know mr cass her husband gave her no hint all he said was that he could make money out of what he had in that pocket-book she held her tongue as you know for her son's sake now she sees that it was wrong but she did it for the best i suppose she did said mr cass giving the link back to heron 
but i wish she had spoken out when i asked her i could not induce her to be frank she merely declared that she was prepared to suffer well mr cass rose to his feet i don't think there is anything more to be said heron but how are we to continue the search leave it in my hands for the moment i will see mrs jenner and between the two of us seeing we knew jenner better than any one else we may find out who it was he intended to blackmail if that should fail i really don't know what to suggest well i will wait till you have seen her geoffrey said and went off to bed he rose early and was out walking up and down the terrace before breakfast ruth was not down but he could see jenny brawn playing with little george chisel and ethel mildred was not visible but in a few minutes he found her seated in a disconsolate attitude on the steps what is the matter he asked for he was fond of children it's aunt ruth said the child tearfully she won't give me back my doll's brooch oh i'll ask her to give it back what is it like he asked the question carelessly little dreaming of what the answer would be nor guessing the consequences which would ensue it's a gold brooch with a horse on it a dear little horse even then it did not enter his mind that the brooch referred to had any connection with the links of which he had spoken to his host the night before how big was it he asked if aunt ruth won't give it back i'll try and get you one like it oh i think grandfather will give me another mildred said hopefully he gave me this it is this size she drew a small oval in the dust with her finger and that shape with a horse on it in pretty colours and a little thing on the back to put a thread through so that my doll can wear it it is so pretty heron felt as if he had received a blow for was not the child describing with the exception of the design the broken link he had in his pocket and she had got it from her grandfather without a word he took the link out of his pocket and showed it to the child she pounced on it with a scream of delight why that's my brooch she cried and then on a nearer view no it isn't here's a nasty bottle mine had a horse on it the young man remembered the description given by mr cass of the links known as the four vices and he could no longer refuse to believe that it was he who had given mildred the link which matched the one now in her hands and that link had been found under the window of the very room in which the crime had been committed could it be possible no no cried geoffrey staggering back his ruddy face pale it cannot be what is the matter mr heron are you ill asked the child rising no i am not ill dear but give me back my brooch i don't like it she said thrusting it into his hand a nasty bottle mine with the horse was much nicer i'll ask grandfather to give me another now i'm going to play mr heron do ask aunt ruth to give me back my dear little brooch the prattle of the child worried him terribly yes yes he said impatiently but run away and play now dear and as mildred scampered off great heavens he thought can cass have murdered the man impossible he could have had no motive he was thankful to be alone for he felt that in his present state of mind he could speak to no one therefore still thinking of the new discovery he had made he felt annoyed to see jenny brawn leave the children and come towards him 
he would have escaped her by walking off but she called to him and he had perforce to remain she looked anxious and worried mr heron i wish to speak to you particularly she said i am so glad to find you alone you look ill i have had rather a shock but really i am all right he said with an attempt at a smile what is it miss brawn well she said it is a somewhat curious story you know ruth brought back with her a toy horse which she put into a drawer in her bedroom she gave the children permission to open the drawer and there they found the horse george took possession of it and hid it away well he produced the animal the other day pulled it out of its hiding-place and proceeded to cut it open to see what was the matter with it he said i was in the room and watched him without paying much attention if i had had my wits about me i should have recognized ruth's horse and would not have allowed him to touch it but however he did so and pulled out all the stuffing i saw that he was making a mess on the carpet and went to stop him then i found among the stuffing a paper with your name on it i waited for an opportunity of giving it to you and here it is and jenny put into his hand a bill of exchange old discoloured and crumpled hardly knowing what he was doing heron glanced at the document and saw that his father's signature geoffrey heron was written across the bill while the signature at the foot was that of frank marshall End of chapters fifteen and sixteen